This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2022, episode 28. Who the hell said there wasn't college football over the weekend? Dr. Rob got his fill of college football. I had a lot of college football. Are you loving the D2 thing? Are you loving... I love small college ball. Although D2, I, I don't know if I'd call it small small college ball that much anymore. If you look at a lot of these schools, Division II, NEIA, you know, you're seeing D1 transfers. You're seeing a high quality of play. I, I don't know. It's just it seems way cleaner because I think to succeed at those levels from a administrative standpoint or a coaching standpoint, those guys got to coach their asses off. And I think the overall quality of the product that you see on the field, it's a little bit of a cleaner product. And there's a lot less reliance upon some of the pure athleticism that you see at higher levels. You, you know, last year when your son left uh, high school, you were really worried. I mean, you, you were a little emotional, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm parting with this. With the high school is the good time. And you're starting a new cycle, and it's it's weird. It's freaking awesome. I love it. I, I love the fact that I got two kids right now doing college sports, and hopefully a third because I'm a total sports junkie. And I love watching my kids compete and having that opportunity and kind of the doors it's open. So our older daughter was a high school swimmer. Yeah. So we kind of lived in the whole swimming world for, I mean, no joke, the better part of a decade and a half. She goes to Florida State's on the rowing team there, and all of a sudden there's this whole like new knowledge base I've had to establish as far as like I, I mean learning about the sport, learning about the divisions within the sport, learning about where you've got singles, doubles, four man, eight man, probably better to say four person, eight person, I guess. But I mean it's 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 an interesting acquisition of knowledge for me being able to see her go through that and being able to see what she's been able to get out of the fact that she made kind of this kind of mid sports career transition from high school to college going from swimming to rowing and what that what that competition has done for her and what the whole dynamic of being on a sports team in college has done for her and just starting that now with our son with football I mean it's it's a sport that he's played for several years so it's not like there was that sport to sport transition but you're seeing that transition again from one level to another level and just being part of a team there. I mean, it's the other thing that's interesting about it at a smaller school. Now, this is what you see at a lot of the D2 schools, the NAIA schools. So Augustana has a little over 2,000 students. So Good size. It is. Well, it's not a, I mean. You know, I almost for, went to Augie, but I, I wasn't smart enough to get in. <laughs> no shit. I'm not kidding you. I, really? I, oh, because my ACT was horrible. It was It was absolutely atrocious. And they wanted me to go in on like academic probation, and like you would have been on probation before you. I yeah, mean, you would have been I, hanging out with Dean Wormer yeah, before you even hit the door. I, I was double secret probation before I even hit the door. Oh, that's awesome! And it, it was. Uh, I, I'm a horrible standardized tester, and my ACT was nothing to write home about. The first one was was atrocious. It was like borderline. Uh, I got my name right, and that was about it. The the second really? the second one because I you know I, I know a lot of fans Husker fans will disagree with this probably a lot of Hawkeye fans too. You are not a stupid person. <laughs> I mean I've hung out with you literally for years, 
And you're one of the smartest individuals I know. Now, now, now you're really now you're pushing it. My son's back there laughing. Well, his I mean, ass it's, it's one of those things. True. I mean, I, I, care. I have high EQ. How's that? Bullshit. You, I, really? You don't think I have high EQ? Street smarts? I think I have good street okay, smarts. Okay, but there's a difference between EQ and street smarts. I think my emotional quotient is pretty hard or pretty high. See, you're one of these guys. Uh, you're one of these no filter people. That's true. That's who so like true. is just kind of one of those? I, I think in a person with a high EQ is one of those. I'm going to read the person I'm talking with, and I'm going to completely like. I'm going to align the conversation okay. with that person's mentality, mood, and no, level I'm not gonna of do understanding. That. And you're going to come out and just be like, "Oh, you don't like what I'm saying? Well, yeah, fuck you. What I'm saying is the truth." No, Here you go. I, I don't know if I what I'm saying is the truth, but but I will say this: I think I take a while. I read the room, and before I engage in the conversation, I'm not going to change my opinion, but I kind of want to gauge everything before I hop in. Right? I'll, I'll be because some people think I'm such an extrovert. I don't really think I'm that extroverted. I, I'm kind of an intra-extra at the same time. I, I know when to sit See, back. See, I, I think you're good at reading an overall room, but you, you're just a no-filter guy. Yeah, no-filter I mean, no, anybody I know who has ever met you, I mean, everybody knows how you feel about a particular subject yes. matter, and you do not care if that is... You're talking about your opinions and how yes. you express those opinions. I don't think you care if that has an impact or no impact, a positive impact, a negative impact on who you're talking with. And I don't care if they don't like me after it, right? Yeah. Because I think you're, you are 100% perfectly fine with that. Which Absolutely. And I don't know. Maybe that's not a lack of EQ. I, I don't know. I'm not. You, guess what my degree in college was not in? Uh, psychology? Or uh, or it, education. Or, it was not know, so. I was going to say sociology, but yeah, sociology, psychology. It was not that. So, but yeah. So I, I because when I when I visited Augie, they had a really nice radio and television program. I mean, they, I, I remember going into their their studios and stuff. Going, they oh still God. got a great setup, by the way. And, and that was kind of what attracted to me. And, the, and I'll never forget that because my mom was with me, and they're like, uh, you don't have the ACT, and I'm just putting on an accent here to make it sound like <laughs> Yale or British or Oxford or something like that. Uh, you don't have the grades to go here, and your ACT is not high enough. And my mom was so pissed. She was like, well, I'll just write the check now. What, what's it going to take? You know. And I'm like, Mom, it, it's okay. It's, I, I don't have to go to Augie. Uh, I'll go to Grandview. Grandview let me in. And uh, they'll let anybody in. By the way, I, I I'm would, joking. I love, I actually, I love Grandview. And that was one of the other schools that recruited my son. And I actually, I really, I liked it. I liked the people there. I liked the school. I liked the coaching, love the coaching staff. Team Woodley's awesome. They so, just are. And just so everybody knows, my second attempt, I would not have been a Prop 48. Just to let everybody know, I, <laughs> I, got, I got up that high to where I would not have been a Prop 48. That crazy thing about Augustana now, and I didn't. I so now that Ryan's going there and you're going in there every week, I'm paying more and more attention to Augustana. And then I'm like, well, shit, Mike Zeppelin's kid goes to Augustana and plays. He's a former yeah. head coach at Scott, yep. and then it was, it was at Bellevue West. Uh, Heidi Guta, who I went to, she went to high school and trainer. She's now a lawyer, I think, at Barrett Home, but her son plays up there. Yep. So, they draw a ton of kids out of this area. Crazy. Yeah. 
Crazy. Well, it's you know they've got a so Kelly Skolton's the defensive defensive line coach and uh, I believe assistant head coach there at Augustana. Um, outstanding person. He's the guy that recruits Nebraska. And I'll tell you what, I mean, he was probably, in terms of everybody that we interacted with um, when Ryan was going through all of this, of all the schools, D2, D3, NAIA, the, the guy works hard. And, I mean, he hits Nebraska hard. They pull a ton of kids out of the state of Nebraska up there, and they do a really good job. I think there's a lot of schools, smaller schools in Nebraska, as well as a handful of some of these FCS schools in the area, that Skolton does a really good job of getting these guys to kind of back away from some of these bigger programs or some of these in-state programs, and he gets them up there to Sioux Falls just because of how hard he works. One of the cool things about Sioux Falls is that in Larchwood, you can check out the Grand Falls Casino, which is on the Iowa side of the river. And when you get to the Grand Falls Casino, inside is the best sports book, maybe between here in Las Vegas. The Betfred Sportsbook at the Grand Falls Casino is absolutely spectacular. If you get up to Northern Iowa, if you get up to Sioux Falls, uh, stay at the hotel, but go visit the Betfred Sportsbook, which is again, spectacular. And if you can't get to Larchwood, if you can't get to the Grand Falls Casino, drive across the river to the state of Iowa, download the Betfred Sports <laughs> app, and you know what's cool though? I know, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. No, here's what's funny though, because I was driving to work the other day right around 42nd Street, Betfred Sports has an, has a billboard up now. Love it. So so what that is telling me is this, is that they're having really good success with this podcast, uh, people in eastern Nebraska driving across the river, downloading the Betfred Sports app, and they're going, look at all these Nebraskans who are crossing the river. Maybe we, <laughs> besides the Doc Talk sport, you know, podcast, maybe we better put up Let's a do billboard. a little more advertising. Well, and I think it's smart because sooner or later – Sports gambling and online sports gambling will be legal in Nebraska. It's going to have to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. So Betfred, I'm glad Betfred is being progressive and getting ahead of the ahead of the curve. Now, the good thing is we have something to offer you. If you uh, download the Betfred Sports app and you're a brand new customer, uh, we're going to give you a free twenty dollar bet by putting in the promo code DocTalk, and that's good in the state of Iowa, in the state of Arizona, in the state of Colorado. Betfred is in a lot more sport in a lot more states, but it is it, that is where you can get the free bet. Uh, again, download the brand new app today. Great user experience. Their customer service team is second to none. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a great time placing your wages with or with uh, with Betfred Sports. Uh, also, you're wearing a, a really cool polo. It's a comfy shirt, and you got this from Husker Hounds. I did. This was from Scott. That's I think pretty much all shirt. my Husker gears from me. He's the one guy that can fit my <laughs> my fat butt right now. So, so that is super, super, super cool. It is um, crazy comfortable. You look shirt. good in a it polo. You can pull the polo off. Man. I like black because it kind of ha- black hides the fat. It, well, black fat is thin fat. So what I'm doing now is because uh, I got the belly. I got the big, big. You belly. layer. I you, layer. You, you work the layer. I, I I got a layer because my my daughter was like, "What are you wearing the vest for today, Dad?" I got a layer because I'm fat. Because I'm fat, I've got a got big, a layer. got a big, big old belly. Um, so yeah, so that's so. Go to Husker Hounds. Two locations in the Omaha area. And you can and my, it is still proof. I am still a Husker fan. Take, please take but. take me through this because I do struggle with the. To me, it's always the University of Nebraska. You have a shirt that says NU. It's not Nebraska always, University. No, I know it, they always say NU, but. 
I, I always just considered it University of Nebraska. Yeah, I know UNL doesn't look good. Yeah. And probably UN doesn't look good because everything's United Nations. So I know why they do NU, but it is incorrect because it is the University of Nebraska. It's not Nebraska University. Correct. Okay. Just wanted Correct. to make sure of that. Correct. You are 100% right. The whole NU thing, like, like I said, Nebraskans, the N stands for knowledge. Hey, I stopped by... Uh, Connor Orr's law firm. The other I saw the pictures. Yeah, I stopped by. He gave me a bush light, uh, nice. which is really cool. Iowa beer. Uh, or Horrigan and Flinty. And he's got, he cannot wait to get on the podcast. But here's what I hate about lawyers. Horrigan needs to grow some damn facial hair, by the way. <laughs> Does not, I mean, it just, he looks naked. Looks like, looks like a freaking 17 year old work in that law firm. Here's what I don't like about lawyers, right? Because they're always like sworn to secrecy because they have this client, you know, lawyer client privilege. Because he's like, man, I've got some really good news to share with you guys, but I just can't share it yet. I'm like, well, you know, help to me. I, go, I know it's like painful. Yeah. So there's a lot of NIL stuff coming up. Yeah, right? It's like, it's like, you know, don't even tell me that beforehand. Just we'll have you on the show. Yeah. This. Oh, hey, by the way, you guys might be interested to hear this. Just tell us that. Yeah. I mean, just say, hey, I, I'm ready for you. Instead, he does like this deep tease. Hey, man, I've got something brewing. You're not going to believe it when I'm in, when I'm able to tell you. I'm like Jesus, Connor. I go. Can you tell me now? Can you, you know, can you do off the record? No, that was. So this was just yesterday. This, so we're recording on Sunday. Yeah, and this was Friday. Okay, this was, this Friday. was Friday. Yeah. So uh, if you need a litigator, if you need a lawyer, if you need somebody to navigate your NIL for your business, or you know, just get, give you some really good sound advice when it comes to aligning yourself with an athlete, um, you can just reach out to Connor or at Connor at ohflaw.com. That's Connor at ohflaw. Dot com and you give them a call at 402-408-6488. So, yeah, cool office, though. I mean, uh, they, they're just settled in and, and, and enjoying life. I love it. Yeah. And one more thing, uh, because I got, I'm trying to get all the sponsors in. And uh, the T-shirts, sorry, Dave, T-shirts, the, the store should be open hopefully by the end of this week. Because I do have people keep asking me yes. about the sorry, Dave, So I, we have teamed up with Ray Gun. And they have uh, locations in Omaha, Des Moines, Chicago, Kansas City. Um, and it, it, they have a shop down in the old market. And Raygun has some pretty... Now, it, if you're ultra conservative, don't go on their website because you'll probably be offended because they're probably lean more liberal. But they are gonna they are going to uh, uh, print, our, print the shirts, ship them right out, everything. So it's just... Uh, you, it, we'll have those. So we're going to have three shirts to start with. Sorry, Dave. Um, it's called Life Grab a Helmet. <laughs> and then um and mark farley actually gave me that one and then we're gonna have uh, uh win or lose we booze there you go yeah, win it. so we're gonna have three t-shirts to start with and a fourth one's getting made and should be done fairly quickly so we should have four t-shirts up there uh but we did want to thank our the, the friends at ray gun for helping us out with that so nebraska didn't play um what do you think got done during the off week? Because more people talked about the coaches. Real, I mean, most people were like were zeroed in on who's going to be the next coach at Nebraska, and you know, everybody, I mean, Chris Klein, Kleiman went from like zero to well, hero. yeah, went from like on the list to loses to Lane to he's now he's like everybody's like oh we need this guy this is the guy we gotta have and I'm just like. Well, everybody kind of cool your jets a little bit here. I mean, we're still only about a fourth of the way, third of the way into the season. Plenty of games left. And I'm not sure what we saw from Oklahoma against Kansas State was the true Oklahoma. I don't know if the Oklahoma we saw against Nebraska 
was the true Oklahoma either. I think they're probably somewhere in between there. Um, and I don't know if the Kansas State with Adrian Martinez was the true K-State either. I mean, they did lose to Tulane. There's something to be said for that. And so it, it made for an interesting weekend in terms of the whole coaching search stuff. You see a lot more names. Well, and Trev even talked about this. He said there's going to be rumors all over the place. And, I mean, we're going to have another two months of, like, names are going to kind of climb up that list. They're going to kind of go back down that list. I, I don't know who we're going to end up seeing. I, I mean, right now, it was Matt Campbell. Now it's going to be Dave Aranda ever since Baylor beat. Dave Aranda is so. an interesting cat, man. I watched the Iowa State-Baylor game yesterday, and he is, like, very cerebral on the sideline. He's very like, much so, Shows, yeah. like, zero emotion, which is if, weird for a defensive guy, though, right? It is, and if you, but if you listen to his interviews, if you listen to his press conferences – He's the exact same way during inter- interviews, the press conferences, et cetera. You're going to get the same Dave Aranda during those situations that you see standing on the sideline. There's no difference. It, is there anybody it, – it's it's funny to watch other videos, other podcasts, other YouTube channels. People always have an opinion, you know, what's really a good fit for Nebraska. People look at, you know, what Lance Leipold is doing at Kansas, which in year two has Kansas ranked in the top 25. Hey, now. we were really impressed with Scott Frost in year two at it, Central it, Florida. It, Do you, And that's the thing. I mean, I'd, I would love to look at a guy like Leipold. That, the difference is with him, though. There's a different track record that you see with him. He's been a head coach, and I get it. It was at a D3 school, but he did as good as a guy could do at a D3 school. I mean, six national titles is pretty good. And uh, I believe more, I think he got to 100 NC2A wins faster. This includes all divisions. But he got to 100 wins faster than any other head coach in, in NC2A history. That's kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool. Now, like I said, the vast majority of those were, was it Wisconsin Whitewater? Wisconsin, and that was his alma mater. Yeah. So, so he, and he didn't take over a program that was in shambles. He took over a program that was in pretty good shape at the D3 it level. Was. Uh, but, but he went to Buffalo, struggled those first couple of years, but, but made the turn. And then I, I will be, I am going to be honest, how fast he was able to win four games at Kansas is, is shocking to me. It really it is. is considering how bad they've been. I I do think he's a very good coach. He's got a track record. He's got a track record offensively. Yeah. Now, if I were to put a knock on him, even at Buffalo, his defenses have not been very good. And and in the Big Ten, you got to show up with defense. coordinator at Buffalo I as believe, there is at I, I believe so, yeah. And th- and that's always the danger when you bring your own guys along. Remember, the first thing I said about Shenander was don't bring your own guys along. Okay, you told me, we were on Twitter, we had this whole Twitter discussion, you told me, no, I never, Rob's line, I never said that about Shenander. No, no, no. There was, you I, told me, no, you, you read, you year read one, wrong. you were like, yeah, I don't know about this Shenander guy. No, I did say that. You did? Yes. And I was like, but what do you mean about it? And you Because said, you made a sarcastic point along with the tweet. And you that's said he's a bend but don't break kind of guy. And I don't like that. Yeah, and you just said, I remember you telling me, you just said, his style of defense is never going to fly in the Big Ten. And you said the only place that's going to work is going to be someplace like the AAC or the Sun Belt, where you can get away with having that as long as you've got an offense that can put 
70 points up week in and week out. The moment you don't have that, that defense kills. I think what I was trying to get at is you also made a smart-ass comment. I don't even remember the smart-ass, but every tweet I have that includes you got something smart-ass. And that's why why I said half of it is true, the other half isn't, which was a smart-ass What was the the smart-ass? I I don't even remember. I don't even remember either. That's why I was trying to be a smart-ass back. Gotcha. But it it didn't. didn't But I mean, you... you I wanted to believe that, hey, this guy's going to be able to turn it around. He will develop and adapt to the Big Ten, and things will end up working out. I mean, I want, don't get me wrong. I wanted to believe. I wanted to look at this and be like, okay, there's reasons why year one, we only had, what was it, five wins or whatever. Yeah. But the offensive productivity was outstanding most of that 2018 season. 2019, you could look at it and go, okay, well, Zigbo's gone, Stanley Morgan's gone, lost a few O-linemen. Kind of the whole 2019-2020 season, Nebraska was essentially trying to play with, it was slot guys everywhere. I mean, it was, it was Mo Washington, J.D. Spielman's, um, it was Wandale Robinson's everywhere. It's It's like... Who's your starting running back? Well, it's a slot guy. Who's your slot guy? Well, it's a slot guy. Who's your wide receiver? It's it's another slot guy. I mean, it was it, it was slots as far as the eye could see. Sorry, that's a Beavis and Butthead reference. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's I mean, every position on offense outside of the offensive line and quarterback w- was manned by slot wide receivers, and it's just it's not going to work. I mean, it's just, it's not. So you could kind of look at 2019 and 2020 and go, okay. And then even in 2020, go, well, the whole COVID thing, maybe we just throw that whole year out. And then 2021 comes along. And all of a sudden, the offense is back producing again. The defense, all of a sudden, it looks like everybody's like, oh, Chenander finally got his guys into position this is the real Eric Chenander. Now, in hindsight, I think we're all looking back at 2021 and going, okay, you know what? That was that was the one-off. 2021 was actually the exception. Everything else was the real Eric Chenander. He just had a whole bunch of sixth-year seniors who could kind of essentially cover up some of these gaps and exposures that are now getting re re-exposed for being the problems they are with that def- with his defensive scheme. So I I wanted to believe that he would adapt and you were the guy that day one was just like he's not I don't see him working out because he's always been this bend but don't break kind of guy. And I and I'm never because I think you have to do I'm I'm li- I'm re-listening to Patrick Leccioni's five dysfunctions of team. I'm I'm really into the to the team aspect right now because I'm doing some stuff at at MCL Construction that focuses around internal teams, external teams, and stuff. So I'm really I'm fascinated by the dynamics of teams. And the truth is, you know, as you go to a different level, some people just may not be qualified, right? And I, I think agreed. And I think sometimes friendships and loyalty get into the way of when, when a guy gets a job to do a proper assessment and go, do I really think you can make it at this level? And that's one of those things that I think is absolutely endemic within coaching. It is all sports, all, all levels. I saw it at the NFL level where it's just kind of one of those, you'd look at a coaching staff and be like, why is this guy here? 
But I mean, look at look at Mike Riley and his staff. I mean, you had a number of guys that were not very. I mean, were probably very so-so coaches for a Division One football level. I'm sure Mark Banker is a great guy, and even Mark Banker recognized weaknesses within Nebraska's system and still was not able to correct them. I mean. I'll, I'll go back to, like, take Craig Bull, for instance, at Nebraska. There's a guy that, you know, for years I thought was, this guy is not a good D coordinator in any way, shape, or form. His defense, so here's the thing. I, I don't think, I think more like an athlete and less like a coach. There's some athletes, some former players that can watch a game and tell you exactly what's going on defensive backfield linebackers here's what the d line's doing here's how the wide receivers are going to run their routes against this specific coverage and they just see that that's not me even i could look at craig bowl's defenses lining up against an opponent and think to myself well, holy hell, if I'm if I'm the quarterback right here, I'm going to audible to such and such. Oh, look, the quarterback just audible to that exact play. That was every game I watched when Craig Bull was Nebraska's D coordinator. I would sit there and think to myself, well, shit, here's how I'd attack this. If you got me doing that, you're not a very good D coordinator. On the flip side, I think he's a pretty decent head coach. I, Wyoming, I think, has been a rougher go of it for him, but on the flip side... Well, it's Wyoming. It does. It's got its own. Yeah. own it, there's some issues with being a head coach at Wyoming that are going to make it. It's it's unique and going to be challenging for a lot of head coaches. Um, I don't know. There was something they got brought up as well about Pat Fitzgerald. Somebody asked me if I still think Pat Fitzgerald's a good head coach. Well, Sorry, I tangented from no, assistance to head coaches. Well, you, you got me but. thinking about assistance. You even got me thinking about assistance and head coaches because, you know, amongst teams, conflict is good, right? I mean, you need you need to challenge thought. To, not saying that there's going to be a consensus and agreement, but you need to challenge thought, and and, and good teams will will argue and, and try to you know debate one another. Did did assistant coaches? push each other at Nebraska when you were there and in the NFL? And did they ever push Tom Osborne on anything? Oh, I think so. You know, I had conversations with... So, okay, so small story. So my junior year at Nebraska, I started at left guard. I'd previously started part-time starter and played primarily at left tackle. Junior year, I moved to left guard. And at the start of the season... Tanniper came to me and he said, hey, he goes, you're going to be the starting left guard. He goes, I got to be honest with you, though. And I mean, it was kind of weird to have a coach say this, and I'm not sure if this was sort of kind of a sort of a motivational thing where Tanniper was trying to challenge me to raise my level or something. I'm not sure. But he told me that Osborne, that he himself, that Tanniper wanted to keep me is what he called. He always wanted one or two swing guys who could play anywhere from two to four positions on the O-line. And I could play both guard and both tackle spots reasonably well. He said he wanted to keep me as the swing guy because he didn't have a lot of other guys at the time who knew the playbook well enough to kind of bounce and go from side to side, go from position to position like that. One, that's kind of a compliment. At the same time, he said, 
I'd rather start Joel Wilkes at guard over you and leave you as the swing guy. So I've got this dedicated swing guy who can play multiple positions and do it equally effectively in case a somebody gets hurt. But at the same time, he just liked to rotate guys nonstop and keep people fresh. Um, he told me that Osborne overruled him and said, no, I think Rob's one of the five best guys right now. I want the five best guys starting. And that was why I was the starter that year at left guard as opposed to Joel and I was going to be the swing tackle. So it was kind of an interesting insight into the two of them Basically, I mean, just flat out disagreeing with each other. But disagreement's healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And that's what worries me about coaches today is that they – because I think Scott may have surrounded himself with yes men and loyal men. And you, I don't you, know. Well, hold on. Let, let, back up now. And I'm going to use Herm Edwards as an example how we were hearing stories with Herm Edwards at Arizona State. See, now that's interesting that, shit right But there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition this into, into Scott. And that is you, you heard that – Basically, assistant coaches were feeding information to competitors in order to get him fired. Michael Severe basically tweeted the same thing, said, "Hey, I'd heard the same thing." At Nebraska, I mean, so if you don't, if you have coaches that are scared of your head coach or can't challenge your head coach out of loyalty or just you're scared you're going to get disciplined, that's not a healthy because everybody talks about culture. Yeah, it's incredibly unhealthy, but at the same time, too, feeding information to an opponent, that's incredibly unhealthy as well also. You think? It's it's beauty. Here's the – well, it is, but at the same time for a coach, I would think that's career suicide for a coach. I'm with you. I'm absolutely. I, I mean, if there is okay, if there is any truth to that at all at Nebraska or at Arizona State, in my opinion, if I'm another guy who's looking at somebody like that as a head coach, I'm sitting there going like, man, I don't know. I just I'm if I got if I got another position coach candidate as opposed to one of these Nebraska or Arizona State guys. Fuck that. I'm going with the other guy. I do not want somebody who, even if it's warranted, that somebody's like, listen, we need to end this and we need to end it now. We need this head coach out of here. It's not the right way to exit the situation. I'm with you. Because it's not like once Herm Edwards gets fired, it's not like once Scott Frost gets fired. I mean, every one of these assistant coaches, save for maybe a guy like Mickey or Becton, every one of them, their head's on the chopping block now, too. I mean, the vast majority of the time, when there's a head coaching change, the vast majority of the assistants are also out the door also at the end of the day. Come the end of the season, new guy comes in, gets his people in place, 90% 90% of the old guys are gone. Yes. It's just the way it is. So if you're going to sabotage the situation like that, you're out of a job as well, too. I mean, I guess my question is, is if it's that bad that you're willing to sabotage in that manner, you and that head coach can't have a very good relationship and you splitting from that head coach postseason, it can't be that bad of a split. I mean, just why not just wait till the end of the year and just, hey, 
I just don't feel like it's clicking between us anymore. I like you as a person. I love having barbecues at your house with your wife and kids. My wife loves your wife, but guess what? From a working relationship standpoint, I feel like we don't work well together. That's fine. I'm going to, like, I got my buddy over here who's the OC over at Utah. He said he can bring me on. I'm going to leave, go work for him. And just in terms of a work arrangement, I think long-term it's going to be better. Why not do that? I think that happens. Um, no, I know that yeah. happens. I just my question is: is do you really think an internal sabotage happens? Uh, well, if you believe, I don't know if it happened in Nebraska, but boy, the stories coming out of Arizona State are crazy. Now, I do know there was strife within the coaching staff at Nebraska, pri- even prior to Scott cutting loose. Yeah. Essentially, the whole offensive staff, save for Beckton. I mean, there was there was some disagreement there, and I, I mean that got I mean it's this got publicized and discussed, and it's not like that wasn't news. I mean, I I mean Scott's talking about how he's going down to watch the offensive line perform. There was a lot of discussion about with Cam Jurgen snapping that you know Scott brings in his old buddies Matt Hoskinson and Matt Verzel, who are great guys. I love Matt and Matt, and Verzel's an old is a high school offensive line coach who has a guy who's starting at Nebraska right now in, in Hickson. It's, but he brought those guys in over the head of his own offensive line coach to fix Cam Jurgen's snapping problems, and that got publicized. It's not like that's you don't look at that and go like, well, do you think there's a rift there? Fuck yeah, there's a rift there. So it's not like there wasn't these issues on that coaching staff. Man, I just I just uh, finished up a Fresh Coast Juicy Pale Ale from uh, Three Sheeps Brewing Company out of Wisconsin. Pretty tasty. What are you drinking? Are you done? Well, I'm d- I only had one beer. You only are you only going to do one today? It was a long weekend, dude. We had a fundraiser Friday night. I was up tailgating at the Augie game. Do you know what we did? The entire tailgate, we're hanging out talking about how you have to drive into Iowa to do your online betting. Yes. And, and and you do it with Betfred Sports. Exactly. Yes. Which was funny because one of the guys we were talking about has a kid that plays at Augustana. Uh, he's a Cedar Falls, Iowa guy. And he was talking about, he. we were talking about this, he's, and he, he literally goes, he goes, hey, he goes, isn't there like a stripping club parking lot in Omaha that technically is half on the Iowa side of the border for some weird reason? And that's where everybody in Omaha goes to do their betting. So the fact that that exists, you know, the fact that people in Cedar Falls, Iowa know that. Well, I talk about it on. That's reason enough Nebraska needs to legalize well, this it, shit it, now. It, Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about, you know, there's a lot of names being thrown out. Dave Aranda from Baylor. Baylor got a nice win over ISU this weekend. Matt Campbell, um, uh, the Iowa State head coach. Uh, Lance Leipold uh, from KU. Uh, and and Kleiman has to fallen back onto this list again. I, I mean, I mean, in terms of like what's hot, new, and cool this week, you know, he's back on there. I mean, but that's all three within, with the exception of Baylor. 
you have three coaches within a three-hour footprint of Lincoln. It is. I mean, the, the other I, – I still love – I mean, it, again – this is all speculation. It this is. is people we look at and go like, who do we think? Who does Rob Zadiska think would be a good fit in Lincoln? Still love Munkin at Army. Um, word on the street, like I said, this is all second, third hand info, is that Trev loves Calhoun at Air Force Academy. That's a triple option offense, man. It is, and I, I don't know if they've had the same level of success as of late that Munkins had at Army. I think Munkins kind of, within the service academies, I think Munkins the man right now. Do you think any type of offense could work in the Big Ten? Meaning, do you think that style of offense could work in the Big Ten? Be honest. I would generally say no until you look at, go back to the – you go go back to the 1970s, the 1980s. Your athletes uh, are different. Today, really man. not, really not the 1990s. But when you think 1970s, 1980s, and I say Big Eight football, yes, you think big old lines, stout defenses. It, it's kind of it's it's like Woody Hayes three yards cloud of dust remnants is what you think of. Who ruled the Big Eight of that era? Of that era? Yeah. Oklahoma. Oklahoma with triple option off. Yes. But only got, what, one national title out of it? Well, 74, 75, and 85. Okay. But they were, God, they were always in the mix. But. Okay, let me ask you this. Within the Big Ten, who is who is the premier class team of the Big Ten? Right now, Ohio State, and it's not even close. Not even close. There, when, when was their last national title? Ooh, it was what uh, with uh, with Urban, but uh, this would have been what five, six years ago. Yeah, whenever that was. Yes. I'm going to say, t- I think it was actually longer than that. And, and it, might, it, it, it might, it might because because it was Urban. It was right like by. it was like Urban's second year, like his yeah. second or third season there. Um, so I don't. I mean, I think it was actually. I mean, I think that was close. That was like 2013, 2014. Well, look at it this way. I mean. Pelini's last year was 2014. I think that was like that was like 2011, 2012. We're looking it up right now. Travis is furiously Google. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a master typer, is what I am. Yeah. When when was that? Oh, do 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 do. Hold on. We need like the Jeopardy theme song in the background. Yeah, here. no kidding. No, you know it's funny that I Urban Meyer started in 2012. I didn't know that. I, if you would ask me, I thought oh, it was that's like, a little later than I thought. But yeah. So hold on, you think I would? 2012, Urban Meyer was 12 and 0. But were they? But no, they were, they were, they were on, on probation yeah, then. They were on probation. 2014 for, was the national title. Okay, yeah. so 2014. Um, the. Uh, Yes, I mean, that was eight years ago. What did you say, six or seven? Yeah, I said five or six. Five or six. It was eight years ago. So, I mean, we're close. You're close. Um, Let me ask, but but that was 2014. So, we're now eight years later. For the better part of those eight years, it's been Ohio State still. Yes. In other words, they've always been in the mix. Yes. So, that's Oklahoma all through the 70s, all through the 80s. They were always in the mix. They did. They only won one in the '80s, but they were always right there. I, okay, let me. Okay, let me rephrase the question. 
because this is my knock on Lance Leipold, who's a friend of mine, known him for 20 years. If you don't bring a defense to the Big Ten, you will not win. I agree. So, I mean, we can talk about offense, and I really, for the most part, offense has not been Nebraska's main pro- turnovers and stuff, mental stupid stuff, but scheme has not been a problem offensively for Nebraska. No, and I think for most teams... I mean, you look at Iowa, that's an yeah. offensive problem. When Scott Frost had all the pieces to the puzzle, had a really good dual-threat quarterback had a good running back in Divina Zigbo, had a true deep threat, had a true wide receiver in Stanley Morgan. He had the slot guys in like J.D., uh, Mo Washington. His offense worked in the Big Ten. When he had the pieces of the puzzle that he needed, the points and the yardage were there. Go back to Go back to last year, 2021, the points and the yardage were there. Quite frankly, the defense was there. It was turnover special teams and penalties, which is what it always was under Frost. And that's, I mean, that's a discipline thing. That's a focus thing. That's that's an absentee landlord as a head coach thing. Is That's what that problem is. Do you want a guy who is like a climbing and like a light pole, a little older? I mean... People may not. People may think that Lance is a young and up and coming head coach. He's not. I mean, he's still he's in his mid fifties. Um, Kleiman's up there as well. Matt Campbell's in his in his forties, early forties. I mean, do you want a, you want a, a proven head coach? You want an up and comer? What do you want? What do you or does it matter? Because it, it is a crap I don't shoot. know. It's if, a crap shoot. Yeah, I don't know if the proven versus up and coming matters in the sense of I want a guy who is very good in terms of the structure and the organization and focus and attention to detail, things of that nature. Because I think most good coaches, that's the foundation that all good coaches have. Well, I think, I think you have a foundation now with Trev and I think we, I think it's pretty obvious and Trev's can be polarizing. I mean, we're, we're not going to lie that Trev didn't upset a lot of people when he was at UNO. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. But I think what what I think what you have here, what Scott Frost never had, was a level of accountability. Nobody held Scott accountable until Trev came in and like put some parameters out there and said, hey, "This is what you have to do." Bill Moose did not hold Scott oh, ab- Frost accountable. No, I mean, I. It, it's interesting because when you look back, I'm going back to say like Mike. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mike Riley. Yeah, you go back to Riley. You go back to. Oh my gosh, I completely blanked. I've like purged. I've got his... Sean Eichhorst? Oh, Eichhorst, thank you. Oh my God, I can't believe I blanked on that one. I thought I'd purged that. Uh, he's easily forgettable, by the way. Well, I'm trying to get Perlman out of my brain as well, too. But, um, you know, I think there's probably a little bit of accountability there other than the fact I think Eichhorst was... Spe- he was He was sort of Riley's moose in the sense that he was brought in to fire Bo and to hire Mike Riley. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he would have given him more time if that was the case, but he got fired and then Riley got fired. All right. I can't, this wasn't even planned. You can tell we, we don't really have an agenda when we do this podcast. Is Mike Riley, was Mike Riley end up being a better coach at Nebraska than Scott Frost? I mean, numerically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple of win. Well, I was going to say a couple of winning seasons. He had a couple of bowl seasons. 
So I mean, it's, is the program better today than it was when Mike Riley got fired? Uh, that I'm not so sure of. See, then, yeah, I, I think it's. I think we're just as bad. I don't. I definitely don't think they're. They're not a lot better. And that's. I think the thing that's frustrating for so many fans of Nebraska football is the fact that you went through the Mike Riley era. When he got fired and Frost got hired, I think the expectation was this is going to get better. And in my opinion, at best, it stayed the same. If you look at the Riley era, I mean, I think you still had some very good and fairly well-developed athletes that came over from the Pelini era. I mean, you look at Armstrong at quarterback – and I thought he was a he was a pretty good dual threat quarterback, yeah. and I think even under Riley's system, he he did pretty decent. I at worst with with Tommy Armstrong, you had a guy where Riley tried to adapt his offense to Armstrong's skill set, and I do appreciate that about Riley. Do I think Mike Riley's a good coach? Or, or, a great coach. Do I think Mark Banker was a great coach? Uh, no, not at all. I think they were very okay coaches. I thought Riley was very was one of the better things he did was he recognized the fact that his quarterback, this Tommy Armstrong kid, is probably his best option at QB, and that he better ride that the whole time he's got Armstrong. So he tried to adopt his or adapt his offense rather to kind of this dual threat spread option thing. Now, you had a guy who'd never really coached spread option before, and it just didn't quite yeah. work to that skill set. So, I, I mean, I think Riley really, really wanted a true drop-back passing quarterback with a pro-style offense. But even when he got that in his third year, he wasn't that good. Or was that – I blank. So Riley was fit. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. He was only in Lincoln for three years. Crazy, had, isn't it? Yeah, had, had the had the Foster Farms Bowl his first year. Had the nine win season his second year. Had, had just the massive crash and burn continuation from the end of twenty sixteen that carried over into twenty seventeen. I, I don't know. Going back to Air Force, I don't know if the true triple option could work in the Big Ten. I do believe, and we've seen it. Uh, the spread option is, is is the way to go. Adrian Martinez yesterday for Kansas State, 21 of 34, 234, one touchdown. He rushed the ball 21 times for 148 yards and four touchdowns. Go watch the Kansas game. While we're talking about Kansas, uh, Jalen Daniels might be the best player in the Big 12, uh, and he's a spectacular quarterback. Had a great day running the football, another great day passing the, the, the football. Um, I, I, and I missed him against Duke. I did watch him against Houston. Yeah, guy's amazing. He, he really is. And listen, what wasn't highly recruited? Wasn't one of these, you know, five. Now is he a guys? transfer or is he a recruit to KU? I'm gonna have to give me. Some- Sorry about that. I'm making you Google again here. It's, but I mean, yeah, he's the guy's an amazing athlete. the The question would be as you look at some of these coaches, where you look at like a climb and a Leipold when they stumble upon a really, really good athlete like this. I, I mean, is this a flash in the pan kind of deal? Is this a, is this not, nah, he's going to keep recruiting guys like Daniels to KU is like, is climbing at K state. Is he going to, is he going to find another, uh, Adrian Martinez? What do you do when Adrian's done after this year? 
you go you go to the transfer portal. And by the way, Jalen Daniels is a uh, uh, he was recruited by Les Miles. Okay, so, so he's a recruit yeah. to KU by KU. Yep. Well, coaches at the time. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing is like the the sustainability of what we're seeing this year. How sustainable is that? I mean, I I look at Adrian. And it's an interesting thing. We do some docs diagnosis with Aileen and Adrian, and it was it was interesting on Twitter last night and this morning because I made a couple of comments on it. And there was a there was a fair number of fans. I think the vast majority of people were, hey, we're glad to see this. Good for him. It's nice seeing it. There's a, a small handful of people who were, oh yeah, see, he was outstanding. If Nebraska had a few other pieces in place, Adrian would have been just as good at Nebraska. And then there's a handful of people who are like, now nah, he sucked ass then, he sucked ass now. The fact he beat Oklahoma with K-State doesn't mean anything. And go look at the Tulane game last week. Let, well, and, and I'm, I- I'm kind of torn. I'm a little bit like, okay, I think the Tulane game hopefully was a little bit of a one-off. I know. I think it was a wake-up call. I, I think – I, I thought the game Adrian Martinez played against Oklahoma was the best he's had since he was a freshman at Nebraska. He he put his body on the line. He he did not look injured. He didn't. He, it's like people got down to the Tulane game and go, okay, you're really not that good. You know, I mean, th- th- we have serious concerns. And he proved it. He wanted to prove everybody wrong. I think he just said, screw it, I'm going all in. And that's what you have to do. But you if he does, but I mean, that's the thing that a good athlete has to do every game, every sport. You kind of got to go like yeah, that. Yeah, but every good athlete has mental blocks too, right? Yeah, you're, you're going to have some bad days. And I guess that's my thing with the Tulane game is what if the Tulane game is the one bad day Adrian has this year and Kansas State runs the table and wins the Big 12 all of a sudden? You're still going to have the naysayers who are going to sit back and every time somebody brings up Adrian Martinez's performance at Kansas State, they're going to bring up, well, look at his stats at Nebraska. Look at all these interceptions. Look at the turnovers. Those are things some people are always going to bring up. And I guess my take on it, it's not that Adrian was A, this amazing athlete who now he's finally got a chance to shine. I also don't think he was the reason Nebraska was a bad team the previous four seasons. I think we have to start looking at coaching, don't we? I do, 100%. I, th- I think Adrian's 90% of Adrian's problems, I think 10% was. The, the, the guy, he could be a little fumble-prone, and he could also at times would try to force the ball while passing into places you never should put it. And I thought he did that at Nebraska all four years. But I think once he's he was in a situation, and I kind of, I'm not going to say I thought I saw this coming, but I kind of feel like I did. I figured, you know, he's going to go down there. You got a solid coach in climbing. You got Connor Riley coaching up a pretty decent O-line. Like I said, it's not NFL guys as far as the eye can see. But these guys are good, stable coaches who are good with people. They're good with their players. Adrian's going to be in a position where I also don't think he's going to be asked to do everything himself. Kleiman wants to run the ball. He's He's got that kid, I'm blanking on his last name, Deuce at running back. I mean, he's, I mean, he, he's like a little, uh, uh, who's the little guy for years at Kansas state played the NFL forever. Oh, Darren Sproles. Thank you. He's got another Darren Sproles at running back right now. 
the guy is. It's he, he's like five five, a buck eighty. There we go, Deuce Vaughn. So, yeah, it's it, basically it's one of these. I'm convinced Darren Sproles retired from the NFL and, and like stole somebody's identity and showed back up at K State again. Is the guy is he's yeah. like five six, 180 pounds, and it's like another Darren Sproles. Anyway, Climate wants to run the ball. He wants to control clock, and Kansas State did that, and. When you got a situation like that, God, that helps out a quarterback. It does. Helps, it, helps out your defense, too. It does. And, when yeah, when you're the quarterback and you don't have to do everything, it takes a hell of a load off of you. Then you're not pressing. Then you're not. Somebody on Twitter had a great line. They said they felt like Martinez extended himself too much at Nebraska by trying to win games single-handedly. And I think there's a massive amount of truth in that. I think he's in a situation now where he doesn't have to do that. And when you have that happen, when you can spread that load out, it's going to make you a hell of a lot more successful quarterback. Probably a lot of people going, you guys ever going to fucking talk about Nebraska this week? And and, and the answer would be yes, uh, because up next is Indiana. Indiana got crushed against Cincinnati. Didn't do itself any favors. Was their first loss? Uh, first loss. First gave up 28 loss. points in the second quarter. Uh, three turnovers. Uh, Cincinnati scored 14 points in a matter of 10 seconds. And that and that was right before halftime. And that really yeah, that's put a Indiana. that's killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Indiana's... I, I, all I say is Nebraska has an opportunity here because I watched the Iowa Rutgers game last night. Rutgers is not very good. And that's who Nebraska has next to would be Indiana and Rutgers. There, there's really good opportunity just to build some confidence, right? I mean, that's a little bit. I, I am very worried. And part of the reason I'm worried is a Nebraska doesn't have much confidence, right? True. Now. And two, if you go and look at the teams Nebraska's played, probably the one team I have not played or sorry, have not looked at play since Nebraska played them as North Dakota. I have no idea how North Dakota's done since Nebraska played them. But Northwestern, we've, we've, we have since found out that Northwestern is not a very good football team. The best game they probably had all year will be, a, will be their game against Nebraska over in, over in Dublin. That, that's a little scary when yeah. you think about that, that we came close to them and they are horrible. That is not a good team. We knocked off an FCS North Dakota team. And even that, like I said, it's I, I kept saying third quarter. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that Nebraska was able to get a two-score lead over North Dakota. That's impressive. It took over three quarters of play for Nebraska to get that two-quarter gap there in that game. And then they went against a Georgia Southern team that I, I, I told people that I thought Georgia Southern was going to be a far better team than North Dakota, and they were. But that doesn't mean Georgia Southern's good. They haven't looked all that great as well since they played Nebraska. And then you look at Oklahoma where you watched that game, and the first thought that would come to a person's mind watching it is like, wow, Oklahoma's pretty freaking good. They are just taking us to the woodshed. And then they go get beat at home. They got it wasn't that they got beat. And I, I'll admit Oklahoma shot themselves in in the foot on several occasions with penalties in that game. I mean they just killed themselves with penalties. 
That doesn't change the fact you just lost at home to Kansas State again, third time in four tries. It's that's that is a that's an Oklahoma team that's human. I mean, you look at the time of possession, you look at the run game that Kansas State was able to mount, you look at when the defense needed clutch plays, K-State's defense was able to make clutch plays against Oklahoma. That's a, that is not a top-five team in the country. I, I realize they were sixth going into that K-State game. That's not a, a top-five team. They're very good. They've got outstanding athletes, but they're not the amazing team that we saw in Lincoln manhandle the Huskers. Nebraska's just that bad. They really are. And so when I look at a team like Indiana, I'm sitting here going, God, let me ask you this. Do you think Indiana would beat Northwestern right now? Yes. Then we should be very worried. Because guess what? Northwestern can beat us. Wow. So we should there should still be some worry there. There should be a lot of worry. The only thing that I've got a little glimmer of hope for when I look at Nebraska right now this week going into the Indiana game is the fact that we've had a two-week gap from a preparation standpoint from a maybe going back and just working bare bones basics all over again working footwork, working about working the blocking skills, learning how to fucking tackle for God's sake. But you know what? If you watch a lot of college football, I watched a lot yesterday again. Tackling's bad in a lot it, of places. It, and it is. It's becoming a little bit of a lost art. I, I don't deny that. It's And I think a lot of people are worried about injuries, especially head injuries. They're worried about blows to the head. It's almost been sort of this situation where the solution to the problem of targeting is to not hit at all. Let me ask you this when it comes to targeting, because Iowa State had a couple, or one yesterday was atrocious. Um, and, and I get by the letter of the law targeting. However, I, I, and I know there's they're supposed to be now this, this intent and non-intent, and, and, and you can have targeting and not get thrown out. Iowa State player got thrown out yesterday, and I thought it was, did he target? Yes. Did, did he actually go headhunting? No. I think there needs to be like, here's a yellow. Somebody it's like this. the face mask where you have the, there's the, there's the incidental and yes. there's the flagrant. Yes. Yeah. And, and I know it's supposed to be divided in that now. It's still not, to me, being applied equitably. And I, I think you have to give officials some some gray area. I know people don't like to hear that with the rule book. It should be black and white. I, but I still think you have to be able to look at a play and go, well, a guy turned in. I mean, the, that, the game moves so fast. And that's, so fast. It is, and I think that's where you see a lot of these issues is there's a huge difference between what happens in real time yes. versus what happens when you go back and watch it on tape. Um, but, I mean, you see that in a lot of situations in football with pass interference, with hits along the sideline. Was that an actual catch or was it a catch and then a fumble? Or was it a – I mean, oh, what was the game I was watching last night where – um, you know what? It was the Kansas State-Oklahoma game where the Oklahoma tight end caught a pass along the sideline, turned to go upfield, 
got hit. It was actually a great tackle, quite frankly. Got hit, fumbled the ball, and the ball bounced out of bounds. Well, it turned into this whole discussion and review by the officials of, well, was it an incomplete pass? Or what, because it affects where the play, what down it is, where the ball's lined up at, and how much time needs to run off the clock. So there's a handful of things that truly mattered on this decision. Was it an incomplete pass, or was it a catch immediately followed by a fumble? And they ended up eventually ruling it an incomplete pass, but a lot of that had to do based upon, hey, when you look at some of these plays in real time, there's a little bit of a rule here. They're supposed to interpret it in the sense of, well, if you're watching it in real time, what would be the reasonable call? It's not you can slow everything down yeah. in film and dissect it into the minutia. Most of those rules are supposed to be graded or judged on, hey, if I saw this in real time, what would the call be? And so that was why they called this pass incomplete. If you watched it on in slow motion, it's no, he caught it and then he turned and then he started to run up field, then he got hit. In real time, it was he caught it, bam, and the ball bounced yeah. out. And it's one of those like, yeah, well, in real time, it looks like an incomplete pass, so we're going to call it that. Same thing with these hits and these targeting calls. You, you slow it way down, and you can kind of – it's one of those, well, yeah, to the letter of the law, it was targeting. You watch it in real time, and it's one of these – there's no way the guy could have pulled his head yeah. out of that yeah. position. And, and I think that's what that's what frustrates a lot of people. I, I have no problem with a personal foul. I, I don't. But to, to throw a guy out still is just, I just, I, I, I have a major problem. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people are going along with the, well, technically that's the, it is the rule. It's like, well, it doesn't mean that the rule doesn't suck. It's a, it's a shit rule in my opinion. So if you were a betting man, are you betting Nebraska this week, or are you just... Ooh, what's the line? I haven't uh, seen it I, yet. I haven't even seen the line yet, but I mean, just based on having a week off, taking on an Indiana team that's... I'm learning from Scott Sprites for when we do this behind the point spread, so I want to know what the line is here. So you mentioned behind the point spread. Uh, don't forget to join us each and every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on our YouTube channel as we go behind the point sport spread with uh, Scott Spritzer from Las Vegas. Uh, we take a look at four games each and every week. Uh, it's a really good conversation, and I think uh, you can learn a little. And he, he, the games he shows, he's not necessarily betting on. He doesn't bet on a lot of – I mean, he's very selective. No, but of the games he's showing us and that we're talking about on the show, he's picking because there's educational points there. Like, I've probably, like, here's the thing. I don't gamble. I got my Bedford sports app, but I don't gamble yeah. with it. But um, I probably could every week driving up to Augustana because I'm on I-29 in Iowa most of that drive. But it's, it's if you watch that show, though, I have learned more about sports gambling, online betting, and just kind of the ins and outs of it. I mean, it's basically a, a primer on everything from – how to evaluate these sports, the, these these point spreads, how to evaluate lines, things like that, and how it applies to the making a real-world decision if you want to put a little money on these. Looks like Nebraska is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm going to look at that and say that's just a low-value bet right there. 
Yeah, just sit back, watch it, enjoy the game, right? Yeah, I mean, this is one I would not put money on. Yeah, and that three and a half is is home. I mean, if this yeah. was if this was at Indiana, probably a picket game or maybe Indiana minus one. Yeah, it's just I look at this one and I'm just like, it's you've got two teams that are both horrible. I could I could see I could see this game honestly. I could see this kind of snowballing in the direction of either team. Indiana comes in, has a little bit, little bit of success right off the bat. I do not think that Nebraska is a mentally strong enough team right now in order to be able to come away, to kind of like to stop that, to stop that snowball effect. They just don't have, I think, the mental fortitude to do it or remotely have the confidence to do that. At the same time, I'm not convinced about Indiana. I just I don't think they're that great of a team. Well, something's got to give here. Nothing. Uh, both these teams horrible against the spread. Nebraska 0-4 against the spread this year. Uh, Indiana 1-3 and against the spread. However, Indiana is 3-1 uh, and straight up. Nebraska one and three. Here's the deal. Again, Scott would say this is a low value. Yeah, just uh, there's not a lot. Well, of value. I think it depends where his power rankings come in and, and the way he views it. But Indiana is, you know, turn the ball over three times against Cincinnati. If Indiana turns the ball over, I mean, offensively they stayed toe and toe with them. But those are those intangibles. You can't predict. Yeah, I'm not sure Cincinnati's a very good team. Though, That's right fair. Now either. That's fair. And, of course, you know, Luke Fickle's one of those guys that's getting a lot of attention from Nebraska fans, too. Now, they've backed off a little bit, but everybody likes to play the speculation game, and it's a dangerous road to go down. My question is, do you think, do you think Trev Alberts has even talked to really anybody yet? Because he doesn't have to. There's a lot of time here. Yeah, I don't think he has to, but I guarantee you there's a handful. I, see, now they work it through. Agents and all They got agents and, commit, and search committees and thir- third-party I don't know what do you call it search firms. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that they do a lot of work through now, because I think it removes it removes that speculative touch. It's one of those things where the the third party search firm can go and talk to Luke Fickle or Kleiman or Urban Meyer's agents. You know what guy? And, I and would it kind of removes a lot of that. Do you know what guy I would hire? For. Is the coach that said. Uh, thanks for wanting to reach out. When my season's over, I'll talk. I've got to, I've got to focus on my team. Yeah, that's the guy I want to hire. And I think most coaches are probably going to be in that boat. Whereas, and that's why I think a lot of the conversation that either is happening right now or is going to be happening as the season progresses, most of these conversations are going to happen between third-party search firms and agents. I think I think there's going to be a lot of these discussions that happen all season long between those people. I think I think Trez going to be sitting in his office and I think these coaches are going to be sitting in their offices everybody doing all of their day-to-day work and I think at the end of the year, I think as you get down to the close of the season, I think the third these third-party search firms are going to come back to Trev and say, "Okay, Here's everybody we've talked to who we think might be a good fit for you and why, agent-wise. And I think those coaches' agents are going to sit down and tell them, hey, here's all the teams that have approached us, and here's where I think our bargaining chips and standing is with each of those teams if you want to leave where you're at. So with the game coming up this week, Because I, I will say this. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's fine. 
we're not the only team that's going to be looking for no. a coach at the end, no. of, end of the year. I mean, you look at Nebraska, you look at Arizona State, Georgia Tech, all of a sudden they're the team that everybody's talking about that. Ooh, might be a job opening up down in Atlanta. I wouldn't, but Nebraska right now is still the best job. It's, it's better than Georgia Tech. Damn, you just said that? It is. It's better than Arizona State. Just because of level of commitment from a university, from a fan base. To what about fan expectation? Uh, expectation is a hard one, right? That can weigh heavy. That can weigh heavy. Get, guess what Chris Klein, well, Kleiman more so than Leipold, but I mean, to a fair degree, Kleiman and Leipold do not have to deal with the same level of expectation. True. All, you, you know what? I mean, for, for God's sakes, Leipold, all he really has to worry about is I got to maintain enough of a low profile to not distract from the basketball team. L- well, no, yeah, but let's put it this way. If Lance Leipold wins seven games this year, they'll build a statue of him out in front of the stadium. Yeah, that's true. I, I they mean, tried with they they tried that with Mangino, but he collapsed the pedestal. Well, that, well, that and there wasn't enough that's bronze. A, that's a lot of bronze. There, there was not enough I bronze. I am going to hell for saying that. Big, oh, my God. Big dude. Big, big dude. What do you want to see Nebraska improve on most this weekend? Obviously, offensive line play. Is that possible, though? Uh, You know, you can do a lot in terms of just kind of restructuring some basics. But I want to see some of these basics coming in with these players. I want to see that. But again, God, that's hard to do in two weeks. Um, The other thing is kind of some of the basics with tackling. I mean, guys just being a little bit more physical in that tackling game. Again, I think there's such a fear about getting in there having head-to-head contact, it really makes guys want to back off. When a quarterback takes off running, I guarantee, I mean, you go back 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when the quarterback took off on a scramble, every linebacker and safety on the opposing team started drooling and licking their chops. That was like, ooh, I, I get to hit the quarterback. We're taking this dude out. Now a quarterback takes off running, and every linebacker and defensive back is sitting there looking at that going, oh, shit, I don't want to get thrown out of this game for having a flagrant hit on the quarterback because they know those guys anymore are kind of protected a bit in the, in the ref's mind. All right, so if you have not uh, subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. We're close to 1,000. We really, really want 1,000 subscribers. We're at like 876 or I something I want 1,000. So if you can get us to 1,000 this week, that'd be great. Go to uh, YouTube, search Doc Talk Sports, and you'll be able to find our YouTube channel. And what's on our YouTube channel, you can find the Doc's Diagnosis presented by Centris Federal Credit Union. And you can also find Behind the Point Spread, uh, which we airs each and every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. We so got content. We we have content. We have content. Now. Yeah, we try. And, it did, and um, in a couple days, you'll be able to find this entire podcast video-wise on YouTube as well because we produce content. Is that's, that's what we do. We're like a, a little content machine. Well, us and Owen. Big, yeah, if it wasn't for Owen, a lot of Owen this stuff. Churn, Owen's the man behind the content. He's the visionary. There we go. That, that, that's the title Owen wants. <laughs> Owen is my son, and he is the visionary. I love uh, it. Big thanks to Husker Hounds, two locations in the Omaha area and online at huskerhounds.com. Uh, Connor Orr. From the law firm or Horrigan and Flente, he's also our NIL expert. And, of course, our good friends at Betfred Sports. If you have not downloaded the app yet, please do so. 
Uh, just and when you place a bet, you got to do it inside Iowa, Arizona, or Colorado, or any else place that uh, Betfred Sports is, has legalized online gambling. Uh, so that's it. That's that's the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Share it with a friend. Like the podcast. Give a review if you have time, and uh, share it with your friends and family. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Doc Talk podcast presented by Betfred Sports.